This episode contains graphic content that may be alarming to some. Listener discretion is advised. We're both control freaks. We're both OCD. We both deal with depression. We both deal with anxiety. And so our tension comes from, I don't like how you responded to that. Let me be the person that responds to that email. Why did you get to that response faster? Why didn't you go through me first? Like, or why did you tweet that? Come on, man, let's go. Let's get to it one more time. This is a show inspired by one of my kids who, for them, making mistakes and facing failure when things aren't predictable can be really tough. But life isn't predictable. If you want to be successful at anything, mistakes and failure, they're just required. You've got to fall down if you want to move ahead. And in today's social media world, we're so good at posting our best angles with the best filters. We're not posting the mistakes we make. We're posting our victories. But that's not real life. Being a Grammy-nominated songwriter, producer, and entrepreneur, I get to hang with some of the most influential, bigger-than-life human beings on the planet. And even when making the biggest hit records, few nail it on the first take. I'm going to try and challenge the stigma of fucking up and explore how even the most successful people face personal and professional moments of doubt and hopefully show all of us that our failures, our more fragile moments, are where greatness is born. I'm your host, Billy Mann, and this is Yeah, I Fucked That Up. If you came of age with Hannah Montana, That's So Raven, and High School Musical, you are not me, and you're not my kids. I'm too old, and they're too young. But if you did, you probably know Allie and AJ. They rose to fame as teen stars in the worlds of Disney pop and TV sitcoms, starred as sisters in the 2006 Disney film Cowbells. And in that movie, in addition to acting, they actually performed the movie's theme song, On the Ride, which led to their debut album, Into the Rush, which launched their huge musical and acting careers and choices they needed to manage between not just two careers, but between two people, two sisters living together, working together, and collaborating all the time. Beyond music, they collectively have almost 100 credits to their names. AJ has been in School, The Goldbergs, Ray Donovan, Super 8. Ali's credits include Phil of the Future, Band Slam, Hellcats, iZombie, and Easy A with my friend Emma Stone. And even if you know, or you think you know, you were born for the screen, that doesn't mean that you know how to deal with what happens off screen. To survive and come out the other side still passionate about music, still working in this industry is a success in and of itself. After a long 10 year plus hiatus from the music world, Ali and AJ returned to touring, but doing it under their own terms. And I'm really interested to learn why they stopped touring to begin with and what brought them back and how they did it from within the star maker machinery and then together on their own. Ali and AJ, thank you so much for being here and diving in to talk about life, failure, family, and fuck-ups. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having us. In this hyper-curated world where everybody knows their best angle, everybody knows their best selves, and it's a lot easier to put that out than putting out your less elegant moments, I would love you guys to share some background from your perspective on your early career and your own peaks and valleys. And just frankly, the reason why maybe you took a step back from the career when it started to where you are now. Well, first of all, I think what you said was really poignant about kind of 
taking the curated self and like breaking it down into a more human self. Because I think Allie and I, being two kids in the business that started really young as children, I think that there was this idea that answers had to be perfect. You know, an interview you gave had to be really glossy and there was no mistake. And if you were caught saying something, what would that look it like? It couldn't be like too personal because it was just... Then you're telling too much. And yeah, it was like kind of surface. Yeah. And that was something that was of that era. And yeah. now we're kind of... In the I opposite. Think, in the opposite where Wrong. people are embracing a little bit more of an honest viewpoint when it comes to an artist in the public eye. I want to go back to the beginning because your dad was in construction but your mom was in music. How was that going through that process with a parent being that involved in the beginning of your career and your mom being musical? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So our mom was in a band when she was younger. They were never like signed to a major deal, but she was an active musician in the sense that she was writing songs, she was singing, she was performing live quite a bit with a small band. And it was never on like a big scale, but it was something that she was really passionate about. And it's kind of sad. She doesn't really sing anymore. She gets really nervous. But she used to sing all the time and she does have a natural knack for songwriting. And so when Allie and I got really invested in music, it was kind of natural that we would start writing with our mom, even though she wasn't in our band. She was someone that was really yeah. overseeing our career as actors as young kids who were going to set every day, as touring musicians. Yeah, she was on the road with us. So she was someone that was so a part of our bubble because we were underage that we really were a close-knit family, but then also it kind of bred this like musical connection between us that just ended up being like an inevitable spinoff into songwriting. So, you know, our dad not being musical at all was very supportive of it, but really had no hand in the creative side of things. Whereas our mom is a really good lyricist and it helped us, you know, with a lot of those first songs when it came to that first record. Or we would like come to her and be like, mom, what do you think of this song? She'd be like, this is amazing. Or she'd be like, you know, maybe this line you could rhyme more with this, you know, stuff like that. It does speak to something interesting because on the one hand, she's your mom who's helping you, guiding you, has musical talents of her own and can be there as a resource. But on the other hand, she's also your mom and your young women growing up with celebrity, how you're imaged, how you are on camera, what you wear, you know, and I know from working with so many female artists, there's so many layered pressures on female artists. And so she's your mom. I have to believe that it was not easy or there were moments that weren't easy. And it sort of speaks to those less curated moments. How did you deal with that? Our mom was very like conscientious of us not being like overly sexualized because just, you know, knowing that that is something that happens with young female pop stars. I think she was quite aware of that. And so she was very like hands-on with just always being around, always being on set, never just like letting people take advantage of moments alone with age and I that didn't seem appropriate for us being underage. I mean, she definitely felt like a mom figure, which I think is important. You know, I think a lot of girls in the business that have relationships with their mom are like, my mom's my best friend. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? Your mom shouldn't be your best friend at 13. Like, that's really weird. (laughs) I think your mom should be your mom. And should be like a disciplinary person that you love and you want to like feel safety with. And Mm. sometimes you want to snuggle up with. Sometimes they'll come for you. But not a peer. I think as you get older, they become a little bit more of a peer. But some of the downfalls of 
young women in this industry is that their mom, I think, was really stoked to be in the limelight with them. And I think that's the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And my mom wasn't really interested in that. I think, if anything, her own personal life sometimes would fall to the wayside because she was so focused on us that it was maybe unhealthy at times. Mm -hmm. I was like, mom, you should take care of yourself. And sometimes that is a harder lesson to have to learn later after the fact. Yeah, that's a really good point, Al. And I, I think another thing I would say to that is that our mom kind of lost herself in us a little bit. And I I would caution parents who are indulging in the idea that their kids want to start something at a really young age, that they would take time to also yeah. be their own person. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Allie and AJ about what they consider their biggest fuck up. what we feel is maybe our greatest fuck up, which I think in a way became a Phoenix rising moment in the sense that now we're back making music as an adult, which, you know, I didn't really necessarily see us doing. I think Allie and I taking a really big gap from music was definitely like a thorn in my side and yours in the sense that, you know, we stopped touring. Like we stopped connecting with our fans. We weren't playing live shows. You know, it doesn't mean that music went away and died for us. You know, we weren't necessarily putting out new records, but it's not like we weren't creating music privately. Yeah, we were still writing and collaborating with people. Yeah. But but the touring completely came to a, a standstill, which Touring's honestly time. is a bummer because I'm sure if we'd kept going, even maybe, you know, if we were making music back then, let's just say that we were not maybe as excited to make because we were continuing to push ourselves to create music and put it out and not just be private about it. I think that it would have been one of those things where it could have affected our outcome for the kind of music that we make now, whereas giving ourselves that break to kind of find ourselves, find our sound again, gave us the confidence to make music as young adults and not as children. I mean, we had a lot of control still when we were young and we were making music as teens because we were writing the songs, but we only had so much control when it came to like music video concepts or the album artwork or the merchandising or, you know, things like that. I feel like those 10 years, Allie and I were able to learn way more in a pretty short amount of time and then be able to work with muscle memory and get back into like playing live and working with a band and, you know, making records. And now all of that does come pretty easily because we have, we have it in our blood. One of the notes that I know was that at the early part of your career, you guys had a variety of opportunities and those opportunities obviously were weighed out yourselves and with your mom and probably your dad in the beginning too. And one of them was Hannah Montana. And I just wanted you to just walk me through that experience. Well, Allie was coming off of a show called Phil the Future that was on for two years that was really successful for Disney Channel, but one of the last single cam, you know, non-live audience working show. And Disney Channel had been developing this show about a pop star who was living life as a pop star on weekends or whatever. And then on weekdays was a normal girl. And Gary Marsh over at Disney Channel, who's been a dear friend for a long time, had offered the role of, of Hannah to Allie. And this was right off the heels of Phil the Future. And he had a long discussion with our mom about the show and what it would entail. And it was something we all talked about as a family because every decision at that age, being that we had a record deal together. Very, every decision was very much about Allie and AJ. You yeah. know, obviously, we had our own separate acting careers. So the fear, I guess, or the 
concern concern within the family was, you know, how does one daughter get this opportunity? And then the band and the sisterhood of the two will fall to the wayside because it's going to be really confusing if there's a Hannah Montana and then whatever name that would have been. I guess it would have been an Ali Mashaka. I don't know if they would have used your real name. but And then the band, Ali and AJ, right. would kind of be really confusing. And I think at that point, we were so focused on wanting to do music. And I had been on a TV show at that point now for a little bit. And I think, you know, we were probably going into making cowbells or something, I would assume, around that time. That the music was so important to us to honor and to honor our sisterhood and our friendship. We didn't want anything to come in between that. Like, I don't know. I just, it, it could have put a weird, it could have put a weird, like. Maybe strain between us. Strain between although, us. Although, although yeah, looking back, know. we're like, I don't think that would have happened. It probably so, would Like, we don't want to do anything that would tear apart our sisterhood or our band. our band. You know, as 16 and 14 year olds would think, you know, however deep that goes. But I think ultimately it was, it was meant to be. It was passed on with good intention, which yeah. I think is always the right move. Yeah. But I'm sure other people would be like, wow, that was a fuck up. You'd be really rich right now. I'm like, well. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure we would have been just as close. It probably wouldn't have done it anything. It probably wouldn't have done anything. But I think another thing that's interesting is that that's not really where it stopped. There are a lot of families that have the appearance of being pretty flippant with decisions because they end up just saying, oh, my kid's getting this offer. Sure. Oh, yeah. you're yes. doing it. Yeah. You know, whereas our family was very, which I think is good, picky and stubborn and poignant about where we wanted our career to go to a fault, maybe. And our mom sometimes has looked back and, apologized for maybe steering us in a direction that meant we said no to something that everyone else would have said. But, no but we were like, but we didn't want to do it. And you guys listened to us, which is actually right. good, you know, because I, they would always come to us and say, hey, do you guys want to do this? This is it's and then, you know, they'd lay it out. I mean, as much as you can lay it out to a 16 and 14 year old, but they would listen to our concerns about something and then they would go back and discuss it with the agents or whatever. So at least that was respected, you know, yeah. in our family. Was there a moment where you feel like you failed or that relationship sort of collapsed? I don't know if it was the best idea for us. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was. I, I remember we all moved into a place together where we rented a house after our parents got divorced. But I think that that was just a, a hard moment to try to navigate because our mom, I think, was trying to figure out what she wanted to do with her life. And our relationship with our dad wasn't that great at that moment. And I was off shooting a TV show in Vancouver for eight months out of the year. So it was just a weird moment. So I don't know if we navigated that great or or perfectly. We probably should have all been in therapy, honestly, at the same time. But, you know, ultimately it didn't ruin any of our relationships because we're really close, you know, and we actually got to a really great place with our dad. It took a few years. And I think that, you know, ultimately they're better people not together, even though I think that we had a really great childhood and upbringing. There's a lot of kids that are in this industry that are children of divorce. I'd like to think that like everything would have lasted had we not been in the business, which is a lot of pressure to put on what Allie and I have done. Could have been, yeah. As a career, because it means what you're saying is what we did caused <laughs> a divorce, which I think there are two completely different things. But it probably didn't help. But it probably yeah. caused a strain and it caused separation, you know, physical and emotional separation, being that our mom would tour with us for months and then she'd be on a film set with us or a television show. And our dad was home, you know, as a contractor, living life in like not the entertainment industry and not really connected to what we're doing, which caused some strife between the two of them because there there wasn't a lot of common ground anymore. It was like my mom was off with us, taking care of us, and then we'd come home 
from tour or whatever, yeah. and my dad would feel out of the loop. Yeah, exactly. Which I can imagine would be really frustrating and, and difficult. So I'll always think of it like it wasn't the industry, but I do believe things the industry brought out caused. Yeah. And it's probably a good disconnect reminder that, you know, if you do want to be someone who wants to enter the industry, that entering it probably as a young adult, when you're probably out of the house is probably better. I just also think that the industry in general can really take advantage of young kids. I mean, there's so many sad stories. I kind of look at Adrian, I'm like, how the hell did we not have more really terrible shit happen to us? Like, obviously, I'm sure we have some traumas here and there and some that we, maybe we haven't even fully come to terms with. But I'm like, ultimately, I'm like, we we escaped. I'm like, how? There's so many layers to this. I think probably just observing, metabolizing the experience as adult women versus how you metabolize it emotionally while you're living it. Because let me ask you this, because your sisters and you've mentioned the sisterhood and you're super woven together. but at some point, you are siblings who have conflict with each other. And typically, people who are coworkers, they need to sort of vent about the other, and you're going to have those moments of conflict. What do you do when you're on tour or you're contemplating movies or TV shows and things are going your way and sometimes are not going your way, and then naturally you have conflicts? Who do you go to? And can you think of a moment where the two of you were really like, uh, you know, um, kind of fuck off to one another in the way that siblings sometimes are? Like, what comes to mind? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we definitely, we definitely have those moments. Thank God, because if you yeah. did it, I would be like, you'd be like, huh? It'd be concerning. I would be really worried because. I mean, there's like a humanity to this. Plus, it's art. Plus, you're writing feelings, singing feelings. Our product in music is invisible feelings. Like, that's like what we're doing <laughs> yeah. for a living. So take me through that. I know that at the end of this past tour, like this past year, I think you and I both kind of felt like we need to spend a little bit of time on our own. Like, I, I mean, it was funny. We had like four we days. We played like 70 shows. We, yeah. Together. We played a lot of shows this year. And we were... That's a lot of togetherness. It's a lot. A lot. And you're living together on a bus. Yeah, every moment. I mean, hotel rooms, everything. And we realized, like, yeah, let's... We should, you know, kind of do the holidays separately a little bit. Like, spend time with mom and dad a little bit separately. So it's not just both of us with them at the same time. We actually haven't, like, seen each other in, like, four days or something. Which is actually a really long time for, for us, which is hilarious. But I don't know if there's, like, one specific time that I'm, like... I've had it, AJ, like... X, Y, and Z needs to happen. I mean, but we've had like our moments and fights and... What's the biggest fight you've ever had? Um, wow, it's hard it's to... It's usually it's, really petty. It'll oh happen God. like once a year or something like that where... But it's not based on... Yeah, it's not based on career. like the band would break up or something. It'll be like me like dropping off like a bag of clothes to like AJ's house. And she'd be like, no more. I don't want any of these clothes. Like just... Give them away to Salvation Army or go to Crossroads. I'm like, I'm just thinking of you if you maybe want these items because there might be an item in here that you like. Allie is all about decluttering. So what she does Correct. is she... she Although my house is quite She cluttery. donates her time by giving clutter to other people, which then to her <laughs> feels like a gift to others when others don't really want it. <laughs> All right, I'm just, I got to be real. Like, you cannot tell me your biggest conflict is you over generous with one another. There's got to be... Some drive, that, that, that does drive AJ absolutely insane. No, our big thing is, is that 
we're not good at defining what the other person really, really brings to the band and then honoring that wholeheartedly by saying, I'm going to be this person that brings this to the band. Right. Everything kind of has to be a joint effort. Like we kind of both do everything. We're both control freaks. We're both OCD. We both deal with depression. We both deal with anxiety. And so our tension comes from, I don't like how you responded to that. Let me be the person that responds to that email. Sometimes okay, well, work. why did you get to that response faster? Why didn't you go through me first? Like, or why did you tweet that? It's like things that we have to just chip away at as a band and go, okay, let's each kind of put on our own role. You're this, you're that. Allie is really, really good with like creative design. Like she helps build all of our merch drops. So every time there's like a merch deck that gets presented to us, it's because Allie had put in a folder. This is the mood board for it. Whereas me, it's not really something I enjoy, but then I want to be the one that has a final say in what the deck looks like when we're at the end phase. So it's all about like figuring out your strengths and your weaknesses and being okay with both somehow being the control freak and then also letting the other person shine in a moment that they really shine in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing is that we have to acknowledge that. We also have to acknowledge the fact that eventually we're going to both be married and both have children. And also we're going to want a tour and we're going to probably do things differently. And so what does that look like for us? Another thing is how do we honor our acting career, but still have a band that's thriving when you're not going to want to say no to a television show. If you find out you're the next lead of a streaming show, that's going to shoot seven, eight months out of the year. Well, what happens to an album or a tour? So Allie and I have kind of told each other. We have to come across those things as they come. Yeah. And be like open about. And really present like, this is something I'm passionate about. How can this help the band? Will it hurt the band? Is that okay if for a while it does? Because I need to go and do my own thing as an actor. And those things are going to be really hard. I mean, I was the lead of a show for two years where my time and energy and everything that I lived, breathed, drank, and, and ate was this show. And then it got canceled. Well, to me, it was a reward because I didn't have to choose the show over music. Music chose me and the cancellation ended up meaning my life was opened up to a music career in a way that it hadn't been for a long time. So I do think some things play themselves out naturally. And then some things we have to come to each other and just say, look, I got this opportunity. Can I do it? What does it look like for our band? Mm-hmm. You touched on something. It's, I want to like go back to this quickly about from a point of view as a parent. You talk about OCD and anxiety issues and how each of you have your own version of that. How do you manage that? And I guess more importantly for people listening to it, what happened where you couldn't manage it that prompted you to think, okay, this is more than just like, oh, don't worry about it. Take a deep breath and you'll be fine. What were those inflection points for each of you? For me, one of the hardest was the top of this year heading into this touch of the beat tour. You know, we hadn't been on tour in two years. I was dealing with a mental health shift that I really wasn't comfortable with in the sense that I didn't feel really balanced to go on a tour for three months. I didn't feel like myself. I was really depressed. I had switched medication, something that I was on for a long time, an antidepressant that I didn't feel comfortable on anymore. And I did some things I believe that were great for myself, but I wasn't really ready to just hop on a tour. And the first couple weeks of that tour were incredibly hard for me. And I did hide it a little bit, to be honest. I had a really hard time connecting on stage. Sometimes I'd look out into the audience and I'd want to cry. I didn't feel super connected to the music. I felt like I was kind of hiding from Allie what was going on because I wanted her to think I was strong and ready to tour again. And then we survived a mass shooting, like day one. And that completely spun 
everything out of control for us mentally. Our band and crew were in the middle of crossfire on a tour bus when it happened. Six people died on the street that night. It was 2 a.m. in Sacramento. And that put everything in perspective for me. Where you're like, Um, the only thing that really matters is just your, you know, personal safety, people. And, you know, we were able to sit there and hold hands and hug each other as a band and a crew and understand that we had all survived something that was really heavy and kind of forever connected us on a, in a way that I think humankind doesn't always feel connected in those. It, in that moment, you really feel connection. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And so I was able in a weird way to take that night and say, I'm going to make a choice and turn to prayer and devotion and whatever I need to do in the privacy of my own bunk to gear myself up and psych myself <laughs> into these live shows. And it you end up kind of psyching yourself out so well that you end up then getting into a zone where it is real. You're not psyching yourself out anymore. And I was able to actually really enjoy myself and find comfort being on stage again, which I didn't know if I'd find again on that tour. So it's weird. You can be in a really bizarre position and then you know one thing will kind of shift everything. And a week later, you're like, I feel way more settled than I did on night one. That was the hardest tour we've ever done. You know, we had... Yeah, we had a lot of just hard stuff happen throughout the tour, even outside of the the shooting, which was obviously the the pinnacle of it all. But I was like, wow, if this is what touring is like... Honestly, it made us rethink if we wanted to tour again after the tour ended. We were like so wiped out by it. I was like, ah, I don't know if I can do this again. This is wild. This like took out all the joy of touring that I've had since I was a young kid. We had like a bunch of tour bus breakdown issues where we'd miss shows and we took a huge loss financially on the tour and didn't really feel mentally stable. And there were many things that added up to it feeling when we got home, like not really a joyous, triumphant, we did it, but more like a holy shit, thank God we're back. We got through it. Ali, what was your moment where you sort of said, okay, this is more than I can handle in your own life? I think that happened when I was filming the TV show when I was young, like when I was 14, maybe almost 15. And I was just having a really hard time focusing on set. My OCD was really at an all-time high. And I was just really struggling. My mom obviously knew something was up. So she talked to me and I went and saw like a psychiatrist and I was basically diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Now, you know, these are all very sensitive subjects because you don't want to just assume something is wrong with your child and I'll have them go, you know, talk to somebody and let's get them on medication and everything will be fine. I think it's very person to person and it's very personal. But uh, you were dealing with things that were directly affecting your work. Yeah, it was things that were directly affecting my work. And I think other people on set could tell that some stuff was going on and it wasn't great. I don't think I was in a very good place, even though I was like a happy person. I couldn't quite explain like, why do I feel this way when I don't have anything really bad happening in my life? And my mom just knew the signs because I think it was something that she had also struggled with when she was in her 20s. But I think that was a big moment for me was just getting help from my family and speaking with somebody that was able to get me on a routine. And that was kind of a combination of like eating meals at like set times and having a bit of a schedule and working out and doing art projects. That was a good way for me to kind of unwind, like doing drawings and sketching. And I was put on medication and that really helped me. I saw a change like almost overnight. 
I, mean, I know a lot of people say that it changes their personality and makes them feel like a, a zombie. But for me, at least, I did not feel that way. I didn't feel like I was dulled in any sense. But it's very personal. You know, I think some people react to medication in a way where they're like, I feel like I'm not myself. They might be on the wrong medication. They might be unwilling to try other alternatives outside of that. But I think it's kind of a mix of a lot of different things and what feels right for you as a person. What did you discover about yourself from going through it? What did you learn from it? I think I learned that the human mind is really powerful and can overcome things that seem impossible to get over. You know, with the right kind of support, you can do it. And that also some of the things that maybe I find hard to like deal with or live with or just know, oh, that's just part of my makeup. That's just who I am. Maybe are like gifts or are pluses. I know that some of the quirks of my personality can be positives in the band, you know? The fact that I can like juggle a million things is maybe good because sometimes AJ gets overwhelmed by it and she's like, thank you, can you handle this for today? Because I'm just kind of checked out. I'm like, yeah. AJ, what for you, like the, just like where you feel like you fucked up real bad on something and then from that you gained a superpower? I think that when I was shooting school, I would beat myself up constantly that like music is slipping and what is my sister going to think about me if I can't handle the burdens and sustain the energy that is needed for a music career to keep working if I'm also working 12 hours a day as an actor and then coming home and having to memorize? How do I serve both? And so in a way, I think I unrealistically had this idea that no one would accept me if I couldn't choose and that I couldn't really do both. And that's something that I've had to kind of just get over that I'm all about like people pleasing. Like Allie's lucky. She kind of has this missing component that like that doesn't matter. <laughs> Allie's like, I don't give a shit what people think. And she really doesn't. I mean, maybe I could give a shit a little bit more. No, but it's more that you don't feel like you have to prove certain things. Whereas me, my whole life, I don't know if it's the younger child thing or whatever, but I always feel like I have to like prove myself, prove my worth. I think the biggest thing, and this television show taught me this, is that some people are capable of really putting time and energy into one thing and others can spread themselves out. And if I'm just real about what I can do and yeah. not do and be really honest with what that is and vocalize that, then there isn't a problem. You know, as long as I know the other person is accepting it with as much authenticity as I'm giving it. I have a million thoughts listening to the two of you talk. I have to say, I'm so fucking impressed with just who you are and the transparency. I really believe that this show and however many people listen to it, I think it's only the willingness of the people that come and talk about sure. what they're yeah, going through talk that about it. makes yeah. it real. So thank you, Ali and AJ, for being here, talking with me about failures and fuck-ups and your less elegant moments. Most of the guests I've had on the show, I know personally. I've worked with them or we have close mutual friends. And in the case of the Mashalka sisters, I hadn't had a chance to meet them before this conversation. And I was really taken by how honest and transparent they were from the start about their mental health, their struggles, and family dynamics, especially as young teens. When you're siblings, you don't choose each other. You are born with each other. And it's interesting when I think about a lot of artists I've worked with who are in groups, girl groups, band members, 
and how to manage that dynamic and to do it well. And I can't imagine what it's like for Ali and AJ, for any siblings who work together and how to manage that when one is doing one thing and others doing something else and rooting for the other person. It says a lot to me about these sisters and their support for one another and their self-awareness, whether it's you know, touring in a van or working on a set or just going to each other's house to talk about how to deal with mom and dad and life. We all eventually realize our parents aren't superheroes. And as a dad, I want my kids to see me as a superhero forever, but I know that that's not possible because I didn't get a cape and I'm just human. And my hope is, is that my own kids, after they realize that their mom and I are not superheroes, look at one another and give each other the same kind of support. And I think it's pretty awesome that Hallie and AJ found their footing that way at an early age and they keep going together like this. Yeah, I Fucked That Up is an Interval Presents original production from Silver Sound. Produced by Reed Adler and Jesse Ash. From Interval Presents, executive producers Alan Coy and Jake Kleinberg. Executive producers from Silver Sound are Corey Choi and Reed Adler. Story producer Jesse Ash. Senior producers Hunt Beatty and Rebecca Halperin. Sound, edit, design, and mix by Luke Allen. Original music by Killy Idol. Special thanks to Director of Operations Sarah Yu, Senior Director of Digital Strategy and Business Development Sheffy Ellenzweig, and Director of Marketing Samara Still. I'm your host, Billy Mann. Make sure to follow Yeah, I Fucked That Up and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>